you know, I am where I am now because I have to remind myself that my love is stronger than my hate. Yes. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. So David, let's talk about our vacation anniversary trip for the weekend to the tiny house. Hmm. Okay. Y'all, this house was, it had to be like almost brand new because it just smelled that way. Yeah. And it was so cute. Yeah. And it was tiny. (laughs) It was very tiny. And I had always thought that, yeah, when, you know, the kids are out and David and I kind of retire, which I don't think we'll ever retire, but, you know, um, that we would live in a tiny house. No. (laughs) If you live in a tiny house, you probably can't have more than two pairs of shoes, a couple pairs of pants. I mean, I don't I don't think my socks would fit in that place. (laughs) No, not as many as things as you have. Well, look at here. You got a bunch of stuff, too. <laughs> yeah, it would be tough. I mean, I could I could see having like a vacation home or something like that, but living in it full time, it takes some getting used to because you can't have a lot of things. I guess, you know, you can if you want to have storage building or somewhere else to put stuff. But Yeah, but you'd have a storage building bigger than your tiny house. Yeah. So it's definitely a lifestyle change. It's not just a change of the size of the house you live in. It's a complete lifestyle change. Yeah. I don't think you would be able to go grocery shopping for a week. You'd have to go grocery shopping like for two days. <laughs> well, it did have a full size refrigerator. It just it didn't have very many cabinets. Right. I think there were five cabinets. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's nice. It was a super nice place. Oh yeah. It was really nice. But wow. Small. And the shower. <laughs> I even had to duck to get in the shower. <laughs> Not because of the shower head, but because of the shower doors. Yeah, the, the shower, like the ceiling in the bathroom was lower than the rest of the house. So that was, you know, interesting. Well, that's because of the loft above it. Is that what it was? Yeah, there was a loft where you could go up the steps. And now these steps were like tiny steps and tiny tall steps. And, um, of course, the loft area, I'm guessing in the midpoint of it was three feet yeah, maybe. I mean, you definitely can't stand up. No. You, you have to crawl. Um, and what amazes me is a lot of the older people are getting these tiny homes. You know their knees are bad. They can't crawl up in there. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess you could just use it as storage, but, you know, put stuff up there as yeah. storage and not as a an extra room. And I always thought that I would want those sliding doors that look like barn doors because they're so cool and so pretty. Um they had those for the closet in the bedroom. So it's like you had two small closets on each side and then a dresser with like a TV on top of it in the middle. But they were all built-ins. And they had those doors. Well, they looked really good, but they were annoying as crap because they don't have anything holding them at the bottom. Yeah, there's no track at the bottom, so right. they just kind of swing. <laughs> yeah, so that got me against those. I guess you could probably get some with tracks, though. Probably. But the one thing that we were very appreciative of is they had taken pool noodles and cut them and put them on the legs of the bed. So when you tried to walk into the bedroom, you didn't hurt your feet. (laughs) Which you kicked one of them, I think, didn't you? Uh, Several times. (laughs) Yeah. 
So, I mean, it was pretty cool. It was a cool experience. We'll probably do it again. But as far as living in one, nah, man. I I don't see it happening. Maybe one like three times that size. So maybe instead of, how many square feet would you say that was, David? Oh, I have no idea. I mean, as far as square feet of living space, and when I say living space, I mean you can actually walk around in it. Yeah, like the bottom part. (laughs) Um, 200? Yeah, maybe. Okay, so maybe I could do 800. (laughs) But that's it. So I'd have to have an extra large tiny home. (laughs) An extra large tiny home. But what was pretty cool about it is it was like a a trailer park, you know, where they have a bunch of trailers. But they were a bunch of tiny homes. They were like, it was was so cute. A tiny home community. It was was really cute. I really like that part. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was interesting to see the people that were there, though, because, you know, you didn't see kids running around. Well, no, <laughs> I mean, because, they, I mean, you live so close together. If you had a baby crying, it would disturb seven neighbors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were right on top. I mean, some of those houses were three feet from the other one. Yeah. I mean, they were really close. You know, now that I think about it, we might have stayed in like a retirement village. <laughs> I remember why it was so quiet. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> it yeah. was nice. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the not having to be anywhere at a particular time. That's my favorite part of a vacation. That's my favorite part of life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like having to be anywhere at any time. You know, just, you know, getting up, not having anything in particular to do. You're not confronted with the dishes and the laundry and cleaning that needs to be done. You just have nothing really in front of you that has to be done. Especially in the tiny home. If you left stuff out, you'd trip over it. Mm, yeah. Yep. And then but, when we were leaving our little community, we saw where it was almost like a bunch of campers, but they had campers shaped like tiny homes. <laughs> like they looked like little houses and they had hitches on them. And some of them even had the, what do you call them? The pullouts on the sides where, you know, like the campers, you press the button and it extends out and, you know, it uh, makes the room bigger mm-hmm. when you're stopped. You can't ride down the road that way, of course. <laughs> you can, but... <laughs> no, you can't, I don't think. But that was pretty cool. I was like, oh, I want one of those to pull behind my Honda. Yeah, yeah. And since we were up in the North Carolina mountains, we had to go find some apples, right? Y'all, we have enough apples to probably give each and every one of you one. <laughs> we went to this little apple place, and um, the guy was really cool. He's like... Well, you know, what kind of apples do you like? And I'm thinking, apples. <laughs> and he's like, do you like them, you know, with a firmer texture or a softer texture? And I'm like, kind of medium. He's like, do you like them sweet or kind of tangy or sour? I was like, kind of in the middle. And so he's handing us these apples to test. And we really shouldn't have eaten before we went because we got full off the apples. <laughs> and so David found out that he likes the cameo apples. Yep. And I can't remember the name of the ones I liked. Yep. But so. it's okay because I can call that man and he can tell me. Yeah. So oh, we bought like 40 pounds of apples. We did. We bought like 40 pounds of apples. <laughs> and then um, they had apple chips, dehydrated apple chips. Yeah. Those are really good too. Yeah. I bought like 40 bucks in those. <laughs> yeah. But my son's tearing them up. I know. I didn't get hardly any. There's two more containers in the pantry. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 Lori ain't going to let us run out of food. <laughs> oh, I know that. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. And um, let's see, what else did we do? 
Oh, it rained. Mm-hmm. We were going to go to this haunted thing. It was outside, but of course it rained. So we couldn't do that. They, yeah. they won't let you play in the rain in a haunted thing. We really didn't do absolutely anything, which was great. <laughs> mm-hmm. We went to the Cracker Barrel. <laughs> Lord, I love me some Cracker Barrel. Yeah. But no, we didn't have any anything. We we slept in, slept late, you know, did whatever. It was just, mm-hmm. of course, it was only a you know, technically a day and a half, two day vacation. It was just a weekend thing, so not a lot that we could have got into. But I just enjoyed the just getting away, not having everything, like I said, in front of you that has to be done, and just chill out and enjoy some time hanging out with each other. But I'll be honest, I don't think that David and I would cope well with each other in a tiny home for more than three and a half days, four days. <laughs> well, the I think the biggest challenge is the fact that there's one restroom, one bathroom. Oh, talk about one bathroom. One time we took all the kids, all the kids. <laughs> so we had seven people in a cabin at Devil's Fork State Park, Lake Jacassi. And it had two bedrooms and one bathroom. Seven of us. <laughs> Lord, I was worried about that. I was so worried about that because I'm thinking, I mean, these kids will run you out the house. <laughs> and seven of them? Oh, my goodness. But we survived, and, and it wasn't a bad trip. No. Mm-hmm. Overall. Why? Well, I don't remember... <laughs> Oh, that's the one you talked about. Something bad happening. I can't remember. Yeah, why. I just remember the the when we had the pontoon boat that we oh yeah we rented, and the whole pontoon trip was just everybody complaining. It, it was a nightmare. Um, it just this is when um, this is the height of understanding. You can't say anything bad <laughs> to or about the stepkid <laughs> because every time Jackson would do something. And I'd say something to him, you'd be mad at me, and then I'd get mad back at you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the kids would be mad because Jackson made me mad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, man, it was crazy. Yeah. I just remember the towel falling out of the boat, and you could see it. It's like you could reach down and grab it, but it was probably 30 feet down. And yeah, just slowly floating to the bottom of the lake. Yeah, because it's a clear lake. It's a man-made lake. Yeah. Is it a man-made lake? Yeah, it's a lake. Duh, Lake Jacassi. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a nice area. Um they had fun. We had fun. I, I hope they have better memories than David of the trip because it's funny. I don't remember the bad as much about that trip as I do the good. No, I remember the good too. But I just remember that particular trip with the the pontoon boat um, because we had such high hopes that it was going to be so much fun because everybody could fish and swim and all that. And it was just, ah, oh. when you got so many people all wanting to do different things at the same time, you can't do it. <laughs> but I do remember when we went uh, geocaching. I took some of the kids and went geocaching, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. I know. Um, talking about so many kids, I remember one time we hadn't been together too long, and we were talking about taking the kids to eat. And I said, "Well, you know, do y'all want to go to Taco Bell, McDonald's, or Wendy's? Do not ever give kids that many options, <laughs> especially when they're seven. I mean, five kids by that point. You know, David and I, we didn't really count because." Nobody ever agrees. Mm-mm. So then it becomes like, you always go where they want to go. Yeah. Somebody will get mad. Yeah. So you don't even give them two options. You just go, this is where we're going. Yep. 
you just pull in and say, what do you want from here? <laughs> yeah. And the, oh my gosh, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> Don't go through the drive-thru. <laughs> no, you can't go through the drive-thru because even though the menu never changes at these places, the kids are like, oh, I don't know. And then, of course, they start fighting with each other and we're like, shut up and tell me what you want to eat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I still don't like going through the drive-thru even when it's just you and Jackson. <laughs> David. <laughs> uh, it's a challenge. Well, part of it is the fact that you can't order anything without changing it. <sighs> <laughs> you, you have to, to customize every order at every place that you go. <laughs> well, that is my prerogative. It is, but it also lends itself to complications well, they can't get the order right when you order straight off the menu. Exactly. But you make it worse because, you know, now you've changed the order. Heck, they don't even know at this point if you ordered a hamburger or a hot dog. <laughs> but if you change your order, first of all, <laughs> if you don't like onions, you shouldn't have to eat onions. And even if you take them off, it still tastes oniony. Okay. That's because they put them on before they realize it wasn't supposed to be there, so they had to take them back off. No, I'm saying if I order it and take it off myself mm-hmm. to as not complicate the lives of the workers. <laughs> and so if I don't like onions, then by God, I'm ordering it without onions. And David, you know, he'll eat anything for the most part. And also, if you customize your order, more than likely they will make it fresh. Oh, that's what you're trying to do. No, I'm trying to not get onions. <laughs> Uh, oh, but anyway, he's griping my butt today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you want to talk about our guest today? Yeah, let's do that. I'm not going to tell you a whole lot about it because I want you and I to talk about it further after the listeners get to listen. <laughs> okay, okay. This lady, she referred to herself as the stepmom who's the bomb. <laughs> huh. She's pretty cool. All of our guests are really cool, and. She's been through some stuff, so that's all I'm going to tell you. Well, that's a lot of mystery and secrecy around this one. Well, I'm sure the title's going to kind of give it away. Well, since I don't know what that is right now as we're recording. I'm not telling you either. (laughs) All right. Well, you ready to take a listen to this one? Yeah, listeners, take a listen. Now, was I involved in this one? I don't think so. Okay, then I guess we'll be hearing it (laughs) together for the first time in fact i'm pretty sure not because if she would have said just call me stepmom who's the bomb you would have had a 20 minute conversation about that so no (laughs) i don't think she is i don't think you were a part of it all right fine here we go (laughs) after a word from our sponsor there is a way to save your sanity and your relationship and it's called the nacho kids academy In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle step-family challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit nachokidsacademy.com and sign up today to join other step-parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's nachokidsacademy.com. Today, we have a stepmom who is the bomb. How are you doing today, stepmom? Who's the bomb? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. So tell us a little bit about your blend. How long have you been blending the number of stepkids you have, the number of bio kids, if you have any, kind of the visitation schedule? Tell us a little bit about your life. All right. Well, I have two um, biological kids. Um, They're both uh, teenagers. And then they have, um, we've got like, between, well, between me and him, he's got six children of his own. 
Do what? Repeat that for me one more time. He has, he has six children total. Okay. Um, two with me. And then I've got one stepdaughter that I see on a regular basis. The other ones, uh, one lives in a different state and the other ones we don't, we don't have, there's no visitation with. Um, okay. The stepdaughter, she's, she's a part of our life. She's nine. And then um, she lived with us for the last two years. She's back now with her mom. And before she lived with us, she, there was no, wasn't any really contact with her father. She didn't have any contact with her dad because uh, he, he's not, he's made some bad life choices. So he was in prison. So while he was there, she didn't have any contact with him. Um, and I didn't really, I tried to have as much contact with her as I did. Uh, we were married when he went and had, had, you know, had a baby with, with my friends. She was my lifelong friend. So there was no, when the baby was born, there was no contact between me and her. It was just me and my boys. But now that she's gotten older, now everybody has kind of come together and we're all part of each other's lives. Okay. So just to clarify, you and your husband were separated for a little while, um, physically, not legally, and he um, slept with your best friend, and that resulted in a child that is now your stepdaughter. Yes. Okay. How did you overcome that? I know a lot of people that this happens to, they resent the kid, they see the kid as a as proof of the cheating, um, you know, and oh my gosh, you've got the twist that it was your best friend. Yes, it was very hard. Um, when I didn't even know about it, I found out from a family member what was going on. And it was very hard. I ended up um, getting into a relationship with somebody else for um, a few years. And while I was in a relationship with that person, um, I tried to have my, my children with my husband to have contact with them, take them over there and visit them. And I would see this child. And for a long time, like every time I would see her, she would come up to me. And she would hug on me and love on me. And I would just kind of push her away because this is, this is a child that was not supposed to come into the world the way she did. Right. And it was, it was really hard for me because it wasn't her fault, but I just, I hated her. Yeah. And she, she ended up going into foster care a couple of times throughout her life. And my father-in-law, he got guardianship of her at one point. So I would get to see her more. And this, the, the life that this child has lived, like she is the most loving little girl ever you know, being through the traumatic situations that she's been through. So I kind of like fell in love with her, but then she ended up going back to her mom and there she is ripped away from me. Right. And so um, in 2017, there was a situation that um, me and my husband, we had gotten back together. We'd gotten remarried again. And the situation with her mom, she ended up um, making some bad choices. So we went and picked up um, my stepdaughter and she came to live with us. And she's been with us for two years. The mom was not involved for, I want to say like the first year until she got everything going back to normal. And then the mom wanted to be a part of the, her life, which was now the table was turned because the little girl was being withheld from us. Now we have the choice to not let her mom be involved. Right. And at one point, like this little girl, she, she's my sidekick. She would do anything for me. We hang out together. We do everything together. She is my daughter. Um, and I, she asked me like, why are you and mommy not friends? And I would, I finally sat her down one day and I explained to her the situation because she's a very smart little girl. 
Mm-hmm. And I told her, I was like, when you were born, I hated you. I didn't want you around. I didn't, I didn't want you to be in this world. You did not belong here. But then as you come around and you show me all this love that you have to give, it makes it really hard for me not to, you know, to resent you. So then now I love you and I see her every day. I have become better friends with her mom again, which has been fabulous. Uh, being able to co-parent between, I feel like I'm the dad. Mm-hmm. And because I was the one that did the, I rearranged the visitation. I would let, you know, mom call the daughter and her go over there. And, and now that she's back with her mom, that situation has not stopped. Like my stepdaughter still gets to come with me. She gets to come to my house and stay the night. We get to do things together. You know, we talk on the phone and it's, it's like, just because she's not living with me, that, that relationship has not stopped. And it, it has been incredible. It's, it's been a really, it's been a different kind of journey. Oh, for sure. Now, um, how long were you and your husband split up? Because you said you dated somebody for a little while too. Um, eight years. We oh. got married for the first time in 2005. Okay. And he left in 2009. And I divorced him at the end of 2010, uh, which was when I met somebody else. We were together for six years. And uh, in 2016, my my husband, he came back. We decided, you know, we started over, got to know each other all over again, became best friends again. And we got married in 2017. Okay. Okay. So you, I mean, you had a long break. It wasn't like y'all were just split up for six months or something like that. Yeah. And when you came back and, or when he came back into the picture in 2016, the daughter was living where then? With her mom. Okay. And then she came to live with you in 2017. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And when he came back in 2016, like he tried every day to have contact with his daughter. Uh, mom wouldn't let him. She, mom said, I have to be there. Uh, at one point, I thought that the mom still wanted to be with him. And that's why she was withholding their kids. Like it was, it was really bad for a long time. Mm-hmm. What, um, let me see. I'm trying to think of the way to say this. How did you address the issue with this being your best friend? How did you overcome that and um, not resent her and not hate her? And here you are, the one dealing with her more than your husband is regarding the child that they had together. I tell you, it was the hardest thing I've ever had to go through with one of my friends. Because like I said, she we were best friends for 17 years. And when I found out what was going on, it it was, you don't know what to do. Like, I just, I wanted to go over there and I wanted to just confront them both. And I just, there were things that I wanted to do that I couldn't do because it would get me in trouble. And eventually over time, it's, I'm still not fully over it because that thought of it, it gave me trust issues. Like the next person I'm going to be with, like, can I have a a female friend that he's, that my, my man is not going to mess with? Yes. And you know, it makes me like, she is now remarried. And I've told her like, I want to do to you what you did to me. So you have that hurt inside that I had. So you know how you feel mm-hmm. to be the person to ruin somebody's family. Cause it not only do you ruin your friendship, but you, you ruin two families. Cause she was also married as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I actually introduced her and her husband. They were married for like 10 years. And then they split up. I take it. Yeah, they're now divorced. Okay. Did they have kids together? They have two. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, so that, yeah, she definitely, um, it definitely messed up a lot of families, like you said. Yeah, it was, it was really hard. And when, um, when her husband found out that, who, that she was with my husband, like her husband actually went out and did things to her. And she thought it was me retaliating. So she would have her family come back and do things to me, thinking that it was me when it really wasn't. Oh, yeah. That's, that's not good, is it? No, not at all. It was really hard. The feelings and emotions that you have knowing that your spouse is not coming home to you, that he's going home to someone else, someone else that you knew, it's, it is life-changing. It, is, it makes you change everything about you. It makes all your feelings towards people change, like, especially with trust issues. It's very hard to trust people. Yeah, I know. Um, my husband and I both had, were in relationships prior to ours where we were cheated on. And it's um, it's hard. It makes you feel less than. It makes you question everything. And you carry that baggage with you. And that's one thing that we've had to work with each other on, especially in the beginning, because I could say, um, what are you doing? And he could be like, oh, she doesn't trust me. And that, that wasn't the case. I was just asking what he was doing. And yeah. then, of course, like when he would go out of town for work, I would almost have flashbacks of when my ex would go out of town and I knew he was doing things he shouldn't. So you really have to almost block it out or change your thought process and remind yourself that this isn't the same person. But in your case, it is the same person. Yeah. And it's it's hard. Like now when my husband would go out and do things, I'm like, where are you at? Who are you with? When are you going to be home? Stuff that I would ask my children and he would say, you're being controlling. It's none of your business, but it's like, you are the reason I have these issues. Like you did this to me. Mm -hmm. And so and it's not being controlling to me. It's respect. Right. I go somewhere, I pick up the phone and I'm saying, Hey, I'm here. I'm with this person. I'll be back here. If I'm not here on time, I'm going to call you and let you know. It's a respect. It's not about trying to take control over what somebody else is doing. It's letting them know that you're okay and that if something happens, you know how to reach them. You know, I find this interesting and tell me if you've noticed the same thing, but I've noticed that women tend to tell their significant others, oh, I went to lunch today with Barbie or I did this. You know, we tell them everything. Whereas men, they don't feel that same need to tell us everything. So when we ask questions, they do feel like that we're interrogating them. You are spot on. I wonder why that is. Is it just women are more talkative or we are just more willing to share things? You know, we feel like they care who we went to lunch with when they really probably don't. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like, yeah, you're right. I, I feel like women want want to be more open and available to their husband. Like women have an easier time showing emotion than men do. Like men, if they show emotion, then that's a sign of weakness. Right. And a man is not supposed to be weak. Therefore, if he calls his wife, then, you know, it's the old, you know, she's got him wrapped around his finger or, you know, he's whipped and it's not, it shouldn't really be like that. No, it shouldn't. And I remember like my husband would say, oh, yeah, um, the other day when I went to lunch with Scott, a friend of his, um, I would say, oh, well, I didn't know that. And then I think, why didn't he tell me that? And then I have to remind myself, wait a minute. He just that's not how he thinks. He doesn't think, oh, let me tell Lori I went to lunch with Scott today. Whereas if I go to lunch with anybody, I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to lunch with so and so. 
I, I don't know. I don't know what the difference is. It's probably that men are from Mars, women are from Venus or whatever that book is. Yeah. And men, they say, well, I'm very simple. And they are very simple. They Their thought process is not the same as ours. Like we overthink everything. We think into everything. We have to like go over and over about what's going on where men, they're, this is what I'm doing and that's it. I'm going to yeah. do this and there's nothing else to it. Yeah. Almost like a need to know basis. There's yeah. really no need for me to know that he went to lunch with one of his friends. So, you know, why tell me? No big deal. Yeah. yeah. So you and the um, bio mom get along fairly well now. Yeah. And what's the relationship like with your husband and his daughter now? Um, They are, she, his daughter, she loves everybody. She, there's no strangers. So she loves her dad more than anything in the world. She wants to be a part of his life. Um, her dad has made some difficult life changes for him. So he is not really today. He's not in the picture. Um, and that, that could change, you know, he's, he's made some decisions that is taking him away right now. But y'all are still married. He's just, um, not available at the moment. Yes, correct. Okay. And I, I told, I told my husband when we first got back together in 2016, I will never live that life again. I will never be put in that situation again. I'm not getting remarried to you to get divorced. So if something happens, you're just, you're stuck. I'm not getting divorced. And we were going to split up in June. And I told him, I'm, I'm not, I'm not letting you go. Whatever the, our problem is, we're going to get through it. And we're going to handle it like adults. So we're not, we're not doing this to our children. We're not doing this to my children. You're not, you know, you're going to be a dad, whether you want to or not, because you have these kids that you need to be a part of their life. They want you in their life and they're afraid to lose you. Right. That's um sad. It's, it's really sad. But l- let me ask you this. You said that he had six, he has six kids total. Yes. So he only has relationships with three, three of them. And two of those are yours. Yes. Okay. So your kids are his kids also. Yes. Okay. The other three, um, does it seem to bother him he doesn't have a relationship with them? Or is it just kind of the way it's been? Um, it's, you know, it's not like he longs to have a relationship with them. It's kind of letting them do their thing. And I'm sure it bothers him. Um, they're, they're older. Uh, he's got one daughter that lives in, I don't know where she lives right now, but she is the same age. She's in between my two boys. Okay. So, um, there was, uh, there was, you know, after my stepdaughter was born, there was this other, other relationship. Well, before, no, this was before them. Sorry. This was before my stepdaughter because my, my oldest son is 15. Okay. So, um, he doesn't like, he was there for her to be born, but he has not, he doesn't know what she looks like. He hasn't been a part of her life. And since she came out of the hospital and, I'm sure if he had the opportunity to be a part of her life, he would. And I have, I have asked him to sign his rights over so her stepdad can adopt her and he won't do it. And I asked him, like, I don't understand why you won't do this because you're not in her life. She doesn't know you. And he says, because when she gets to be old enough, she's going to question why I did it. And I don't want her to question that. Well, and that's then, understandable. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel I agree with him to some point, but this child has a man in her life. Now, whether or not he adopts her, that's not going to make or break her relationship with him. Right. But 
I feel like maybe the daughter would want that. And by the dad not giving it to her is going to make her resent him later on in life. But mm -hmm. there's, there's zero contact there. So I'm not really sure. And then with his, he's got two other boys with his first wife. So I'm his second wife. Okay. Um, his oldest, I think he just turned 18. Um, they, his oldest, I believe would have a relationship with him if dad was doing really good for himself. Right. Um, and I've, I've actually been in contact with his oldest son. Um, but they, and then his other son, like he just doesn't want nothing to do with them. He don't ever want to be a part of his life. He's good where he's at. So you're right when you say that it's almost like you're the dad. It's like you took over his role in especially stepdaughter's life uh -huh. as the other parent. Yeah, and at some point that makes him mad because he's like, you take over everything. And I tell him, like, if I feel like if I'm not doing this for someone, you're not going to be doing it. And we're missing out on stuff that we could be doing because you don't want to take the initiative. And that's right. why I step up and I take over. And it's not that I want to take over. I want him to be the parent that I know that he can be, but I think he's afraid. And then he almost doesn't know how to be an adult. He doesn't know how to be a parent. Whereas I do. I've, I've always like, I was born to be a parent. And so that's what I do. I just, I take over and I don't want to take over. But if I see someone's needs not being met, then I'm going to meet those needs. Right. Well, and think about it this way. If you wouldn't have been so, um, I don't want to say in control, but aware of things and involved in things, then with him being away right now, what would happen? You wouldn't have any contact with stepdaughter. Right, right. And, and it would just be her being with her mom. Yeah, and back before we took the stepdaughter away, like me and mom, we fought, we would, we would have nasty words over text messages. And the last thing she texts me is you will never see my daughter again. And then whenever I got, whenever we took, took his daughter, I was like, you know what? Now she's got, now I have what she wants. And now she's going to have to come to me and get permission from me because at, at, you know, for the most part, the dad said, no, you can't be around. I don't want you to see her. Whereas I seen that she was actually trying to make a change and now I make the decisions and he, he would just go along with it. And he's like, I trust you. I trust your judgment. You're going to make the right choice. So I'm just going to let you do what you want to do. And that's what he did. You know, it's funny. I'm sitting here listening to you talk about this and it reminds me of the stepmoms that we tell to stay in their lane because you're not in your lane, but your situation is completely different than most. And with that being said, you have found a lane that works for you and your family and your stepdaughter and the bio mom to where you can all have relationships. Whereas if, to me, it seems like if you would have stayed in your lane, dad might not have had any dealings with this little girl either. Right. And the dad, like he's not on the birth certificate. He's been found, um, he's been found the father, but he's not on the birth certificate. So when we took his daughter in 2017, I'm like, okay, you need to get on the birth certificate. You need to go to court. You need to get full custody. You need to do what you have to do to make sure that this child does not leave our custody. And he had two years to do it and he did not do it. And mom was found unfit. Um, mom had lost her other kids. The other you know, they were going to be, they were in the process that they were going to be adoptive. 
and he never did it. And at that point I was like, I can adopt her because as of right now, she has been un found unfit. So I told him all this time, let me adopt her. Well, then mom got back to where she was doing good and she wanted to be, they were going to do um, court ordered visitations. Dad didn't want that. And I'm like, you should have done what I asked you to do because in the end, he's like, well, why can't you just adopt her? And I tell him, I'm like, you had all this time to do all this stuff and you did nothing. And now you're still not on the birth certificate. There's still no custody. And, you know, his, his dad um, took the daughter from us and withheld her from mom and dad. And I'm like, and I, you know, I tell him like, you made these choices to not protect the, the well-being of your child. And now look where we are. Yeah, because and, he didn't um, pursue his parental rights. Right. And now that his daughter is back with her mom, I, I find like myself telling her, you need to go to court. Now the table is turned. Now I'm not really on her side. I'm not real on his side. I'm on my side for my stepdaughter. Right. And I tell her, you need to go to court and you need to get him on the birth certificate and you need to get full custody. So something like this never happens again. But if something like this ever happens again, I want you to call me and I want to take her. Don't give her to somebody else. Don't let you know his dad or your mom take her. You give her to me because you know that I'm good enough to be her mom. Right. And how and does she not, feel about that? Uh, I'm not really sure. I've, I've asked her a couple of times to like, you know, can you make me the godparent? So that way, if something were to happen to you, I know that she's going to come to me because all I care about is where my stepkid is going to be in five years. Is she going to be, you know, her, her well-being and her health? I want to make sure she's always going to be taken care of. Mm -hmm. And I feel, honestly, I'm the only one who can give her what she needs out of everybody in our family. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. And it seems like everybody in the family, they just do what they have to do to get by or, you know, I'm going to do this to make her mad or I'm going to do this because I have control and you can't be a part of it. Whereas I just want my, I just want this child to be happy, whether she's with me, with her mom, you know, with her dad, I just want her to be happy. And as long as I can be a part of her life then I'm okay and she's okay. Right. Because unfortunately with your husband not being on the birth certificate or anything, if the child goes back into foster care, then more than likely she would go back to his dad, right? Um, I, on that, I'm not really sure um, because when we took her in 2017, she was going to be taken by the state, but we got her first. Um, now, and the, the, the state, the caseworker said that if the mom were to come take the daughter from us, then the state would remove her and place her back in our custody. Okay. So I think that they would, they would, he would still have her, but he would not like, he can't get her social security card. He can't enroll her in school. He can't, you know, he can't, there's a lot of things that he can't do because he's not on the birth certificate, regardless of I've got paternity papers saying that he's the father. He would have to have at least a court order stating that he is, recognized as the biological father and has rights, not just a DNA test. Right. And he needs to be on that birth certificate because he is her father. And that's not just for the mom and the dad. You know, this kid's going to be an adult one day and she's going to have that birth certificate. And she's like, well, why is my dad's name not listed on here? Right. And not only that, but if your significant other dies, God forbid, she could get social security benefits. Right. 
I mean, there's a lot more to it than just, you know, like you said, him just not being on it. Yeah. So with your situation, you've you've been through so much. You've been through um, splitting up for a long time, him having a baby with your best friend, you getting back with him, you and the um, best friend become friends again, and she's the bio mom, and you deal with the bio mom more than he does. Yep. And I know you said that you you and him are not going to split up. You won't let that happen. But what if something happened? Do you still think that Bio Mom would let you be a part of this little girl's lives? Because I know that it would rip your heart out to not be. Uh, I think so. As long as I feel like I am uh, walking on thin ice with her. Like if I say the wrong thing, if I do something that she doesn't like, I feel like at any moment she can take her from me. And right. There's, I know, um, since I've been in this little girl's life, that if I have to, I'm pretty sure that I could go to court and get some kind of step parent rights to where she can't take her from me because it's all about what's in the best interest of this child. Mm-hmm. And when this stuff started happening, I asked the, I asked the mom, I said, now, are you going to be mad if I fight you for her? And she said, yeah. And you know, if I feel like if I fight her to keep her in my custody, then that will make her not want me around and she will make it to where I can't be around. Mm-hmm. And with everything that's been going on, I've asked her like, please do not take this kid from me. And she says, I'm not, she loves you. All I want is for my daughter to be happy. I will never do anything to keep that from her. And so far it's been a lot better than I thought. Do you feel like that the bio mom is in a place that she doesn't have, or you don't have to worry about the stepkid being put into foster care again? Yeah, I don't worry about it right now. Um, but she's she's been in a situation where she's good for a while and then she goes back to what she was doing and then she's good. And I think I'm hoping that this last time that really opened her eyes just to know that I have to be a parent to these kids. I can never lose my children again. Right. And I really hope that she stays in a good position. And I told her, um, I have no problem telling her like, if you have these issues, me and you are going to have issues and I'm going to come after you because I don't want you to do this. All I've ever wanted you to do is just be a good mom. Right. Well, you know, as well as everybody else that we cannot make the bio mom or even the bio dad parent or care like we think they should. You are right. And I tell like um, her and I, we have conversations about how my stepdaughter doesn't listen or she went over to like, say the other day, she went over to um, my father-in-law's house for the night. When she came home, um, she was being mouthy. She was not listening. She was just changed. And so her mom was telling me about it. And then I get her on the phone. I'm like, Hey, sweetie, you have to listen to your mom and you still have to behave because she's still your mom. And regardless of what's going on over at this other house, you still have to listen. And even if I go to their house and my stepdaughter does not behave or like her, I went over there yesterday and her mom's like, you need to brush your hair. And she didn't listen. So I take her inside and I take over and I tell her, this is where we talk about you have to behave and you have to do what your mom says. Mm-hmm. I'm really, um, I'm impressed with you stepping up so much and, you know, I'm, I'm all for the stepmom stepping back. But yeah. you have you have really put your life into helping this kid when it seems like you care more than the parents do. Yeah, and there there's been um, I I will say I fought cancer last year, 
And it was the hardest thing that my family has ever had to go through. And after I got finished with my cancer treatment, I, during my treatment, I stayed with my parents so my husband could work and take care of the kids. Well, Mm -hmm. when I came home, it was a really big stress on my marriage because I was not able to work. I still was not able to function. And I just, it was, it was hard for me because he was still having to do all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I tell them like, him and I were going to split up. We're going to go our separate ways. But I stuck around for a really long time because it broke my heart to know that not only was I going to lose my husband, but I'm going to lose my stepkid. So I need to fight to keep my husband around because I don't want to lose my stepkid. Like I would have sleepless nights because I don't, I'm terrified to lose this child. You know, I don't want her to go back to her mom. I know that dad cannot be a parent like I can. And it just, it, it broke my heart to know that this kid may not one day be in my life. And I'm glad that it did not turn out that way, but it was, it like, that's my kid. And I felt like at any moment, my child will be ripped from me. Right. Because you are 100% vested in this relationship as one of her parents. Yes. And I would do, I would, I would move heaven and earth for this cut for this kid. And I would do it for my own kids. And there's been times where my own two kids are like, mom, you pay more attention to her and she gets whatever she wants and we get in trouble when it's really her. And I'm like, you have to understand. It's not that I love you any less, but you have to realize that you have never been taken from me. You have never gone without. I've always been there for you. I will always be there for you. You have everything that you need from me. So you are okay. Whereas this child, she's been in and out of foster care. She's got a mom and a dad who are not very good parents. And she has had a life that no kid should ever have. Therefore, she's going to need a little bit more love and attention from me than what you guys need because you're okay. Right. You know, that's got me thinking about my mom. She basically raised um, my niece and nephew for a little while. And when she passed away, her concern was to make sure they were taken care of. Not my son, because she knew that I would take care of my son. But here are two kids that again, um, don't have the best parents or involved parents or whatever. And so that was her concern to make sure that they were taken care of. But I'll be honest with you, my son felt a little slighted. It's like, it sounds like your kids are feeling. Yeah. And it's, it's hard and it doesn't just stop with me. Like my father-in-law, he, when all this stuff started going on, my father-in-law took, my mom took my son and my father-in-law took my stepdaughter and When everything got back to normal, he's like, okay, so when can I see my granddaughter? It's all about her. I'm like, do you not realize that you have two other grandkids that you need that you're blowing off? And it's because they are taken care of. Everybody knows that they are taken care of. Whereas this little girl, tomorrow, she may not be taken care of. Yeah, I know my son, um, he's not really involved a whole lot with my dad. My mom passed away a few years ago, but... My dad will drive an hour to go pick up my great niece and watch her for the weekend. But at the same time, he doesn't drive 35 minutes to come see my son. And it does. It makes me mad. Uh-huh. And I know it's because of what we're talking about, that he knows my son's taken care of. Well, he knows that my great niece is taken care of, too. But he also helped my niece a lot because um, she got pregnant at a young age and she needed help because my mom had passed away. So it's almost like if you don't need help, you don't get the same type of attention or the same type 
or same amount of attention or um, something like that. I, I don't know exactly how I'm trying to phrase this, but I think that a lot of times your father-in-law and even my dad need to step back and say, you know what, these kids might not need me like these other ones do, but they do still need me. Right. And you are, you're absolutely correct. And it's just, you know, they still need that love and attention. They still need to know that you care about them. And we, we know that you care about them, but you still need to show them that you care about them. You need to make the effort because one day they're going to, you're going to blow them off so much that when you do want them or need them, they're not going to want you. And they're going to remember you didn't, you wanted her over me all the time. And I made the effort to be in your life and you did not take that. You did not accept me. I've got um, my grandparents, my mom's mom favored my older sister. I mean, like my sister could do no wrong. And it was blatantly obvious. Like at Christmas, my sister would get 20 presents and I'd get one. And that's okay. I didn't like her either, you know, kind of thing. (laughs) But my other set of grandparents um, on my sister's side, because she had a different dad, even though she had nothing to do with her dad, her grandparents adopted us like that we were theirs. I never knew they weren't my grandparents. They treated us all the same. It was never, you know, Lori can't come over because she's not really my grandkid or anything like that. We were... Again, I never knew that they weren't really my grandparents until I got older and realized, wait a minute, how did my sister attend my mom and dad's wedding, you know, kind of thing. And I admired them for that. I admired them for not making me and my younger sister feel any different than their real grandkids. But I also have to say that's hard. Um, Even as parents, I've only got one child, thank God, but I know... I'm closer to my dad than I was my mom. My little sister was kind of in between the two, and my older sister was closer to my mom. So I think you always have, quote, quote, your favorite or one that you bond better with, but it's still really important to not let the other kids um, see that so obviously. Yeah, and I always felt bad because my boys would get jealous, and I've always wanted a daughter, but, you know, I, I got my two boys and I wouldn't change them for the world, but I just, I gravitated more towards her because she's what I always wanted. Mm-hmm. And she just, you know, she, she wants my time. There's a big age difference between all of them. And she wants my time. Whereas my other kids, they got their friends. They want to go off and do their own thing. And they don't need me like she does. Like I feel she's, and she's even told me, um, when I get older, I'm going to live with you forever. I'm like, no, you have to get a job and move out. She says, no, I'm, I'm going to, I don't want to work. I want to stay with you forever. That's what my little sister told my dad. And she's still living with my dad. So warning, warning. <laughs> well, I, I feel like my oldest, I feel like he's going to be a permanent resident because he's not my, my two boys. They are completely different. My, my 12 year old, he does, he's a hard worker. And my 15 year old, he doesn't really, he doesn't want to do anything. So I feel like he's always going to be, at home. And I, you know, it, um, I feel like that might be okay. You're, you're okay if he stays at home forever. Yeah. Just because I, I, I wouldn't mind being a mom forever. Cause I know that they're always going to need me. Yeah. It's funny. I say that about, I don't ever want my son to leave. And then you see people that are like 35 and they don't have a job and they're still living with their parents. And you're like, "Mm, no, I want him to have a job. I want him to be successful, but I don't want him to leave me. As long as he works. And like I tell my stepdaughter all the time, I'm like, 
one day we're going to run away and we're going to go live in the mountains. And she goes, um, at one point she's like, okay. But now she's like, well, I just, I want to be with you and I want to be with mommy. And I said, okay, well, mommy can come too. And me, you and mommy, we'll just go hide out in the mountains. And she's like, okay, I'm okay with that. That's pretty cool. How old is stepdaughter again? She's nine. Okay. So there's three years difference between your youngest and her. Yes. There's about two years between um, all of all of my husband's children. Uh, two years, you said? Yeah. Um, his oldest is 18. And then his and he's got a 16-year-old. And then my 15-year-old. And then he's got um, the daughter that lives in a different state. She's, I think she's 14. And then my 12-year-old. And then the nine-year-old. Goodness gracious. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a lot. That's definitely yeah. a lot. Yeah. They Their family... Um, He's got, my husband's got, I think he's got six siblings. So their family is, is good for having kids. Right, right, definitely. So what do you see, um, or what would you tell someone that their significant other has a child with someone else during their relationship, you know, whether it was cheating while they were together or they were on a break or whatever, when this child... Um, is seen as a reminder of a hurtful time, what would you suggest or um, tell people that would help them to not look at that child with that resentment and that anger? It takes time to get over it. And you always have to remember that it is not the kid's fault. They did not choose this to happen. They didn't choose their parents. They didn't ask for any of this. And all they want is for someone to love them. And they just, they want to be accepted. And you just, you just have to remember that it's not their fault. So you can't take your anger and hatred out on them because they don't have a choice in the matter. Right. And I would suggest if um, looking at the kid causes you these bad feelings to work really hard on changing your perspective of things. And I think I mentioned to you before we started recording that we have like the 28 days to change your thinking in the academy. Uh And it really makes you focus on, you know, kind of different from your situation. But on Wednesday, don't worry about the stepkids coming on Friday and how it's going to stress you out. That's adding two extra days of stress. You know, plan something for yourself. Um, Do things differently. And if you do have a child that is the result of adultery or whatever, and you start to think, oh, wait a minute, you know, this is reminding me of this, or you start feeling that feeling of hurt or anger or resentment, then change your focus, walk away, do something to where you're not, you know, laser beamed focused on this kid is the result of my husband cheating. Yeah. And it took me a really long time to be able to get over it. And sometimes it still bothers me, even though it's been a long time ago. But I have to I have to remind myself that I love this man. He makes mistakes. He made a mistake. And I love this child. And it took a long time for me to love this child. But, you know, I am where I am now because I have to remind myself that my love is stronger than my hate. Yes. There you go. I like that. I like that a lot. Because a lot of people couldn't listen to your situation and think, okay, why would you want to be with someone that's not a good parent? Why would you want to be with someone that makes bad choices? Why would you want to be with someone that, um, you know, seems to not be as invested in their own kids as you are? 
And then the reality of it is we all make mistakes. We all grow. We all learn. We all change throughout time. You know, who knows? Two years from now, um, your husband might be like, I'm going to fight for custody of her. Yeah. You never know. Things things happen and things change. And we, we do have to be able to um, give each other grace. Yeah. And I, I still catch grief for... Because I'm reliving now what I had to to live back in 2009, minus him being with someone else. I'm reliving all the same situation. And I catch grief like, why do you want to be with this person? Like you just said, all those questions. And it's like, because I feel I know he can be a good dad. I know he can be a good husband. I've seen it. I've experienced it. People just, they, when you have a life changing situation like, me having cancer. And it's not only me having cancer. We had another situation with my son that kind of just, it just threw everything off. And so when you have a life changing situation, you have to, you have to realize that that is not something that's going to be forever. And people that we lose ourselves, but you just have, you have to work twice as hard to find yourself and to make right what was wrong. And you going through cancer, um, we've had several people in here that are cancer survivors, and I'm so glad that you were able to beat that. That's awesome. Thank you. We see that um, a lot of times tragedy does put things into perspective. So, yeah, you've got all these problems, and then all of a sudden you've got cancer. Well, you know what? You do love your husband, and he did make a mistake, and that mistake doesn't seem as bad now that you're um, looking at possibly dying from this disease. It's, again, putting things into a different perspective, and I always like to say giving things the proper weight. You know, there's a difference in walking in and your stepkid has skipped school and you didn't know, or you walk in and stepkid skipped school and sitting at the kitchen table playing poker with five guys. (laughs) Yeah. You know, there's a huge difference in how that should affect you. And a lot of people do wait for tragedies to um, be the cause of their change or the way that they look at things differently. And I guess that's normal. Yeah. And people, people like with the questions you asked, why? And it's like, you are not me. You are not going, you see me on the outside. You see what is happening on the outside, but you don't really know what's happening on the inside and you don't know how it's affecting me how it's making me feel, and how I am struggling. Right. No, I'm, definitely, because people will go, oh, well, she just sweeps this under the rug and keeps on going, or she just dismisses it, or something like that, when, like you said, we don't see that you're still struggling with this, and the easy thing for you to do would be to walk away. Yep. But, like you said, you love him, and that matters. Yeah, and the the saying, um, nothing uh, worth everything worth fighting for is, you know, it's, it's for me, it's worth it. Yeah. Right. And whenever I ask him, I'm like, you walk away cause he left, but he needed to just get away. I'm like, you walked away so easily. And he goes, that was not easy for me. It's the hardest thing I've ever had to do, but I'm not going to let you see that because then there's my sign of weakness. Uh huh. And I, I need to make myself better before I can make us better. Right. And, and you're so vested into this relationship. You've got a long time into this, and you've got two kids. I'm sure you don't want your kids growing up in a split family. I don't because my parents got divorced when I was two, and I lived with my mom. And I remember 
my dad, I remember not wanting to go to my dad's every other weekend. And I don't want my kids to have to go through that. And a couple of weeks ago, my 15 year old, I'm at work and my 15 year old calls me and he is losing it. He's bawling. And he's like, I don't want my dad to do this. And I just want a normal family and I don't want this life. And I'm like, well, you were telling me this right now, but when we were all together in the same house, you disrespected, you were rude and you, you showed no love and emotion that you cared about someone. And now that this is happening, now this is coming out. Mm -hmm. And you know, then my 12 year old, he's like, I hate him. I don't want nothing to do with him. So then I have to set him down. I said, he tells you all the time that you're his favorite. You're the best thing that's ever happened to him. Now he loves all of his kids, but my 12 year old, like I was saying, he's a hard worker. He's an amazing kid and that's his favorite. And I said, people make mistakes and you have to understand that what your dad is going through, he has a disease and he has to learn to control that and take care of himself before he can be a better person for you. And sometimes you just have to let people fall and realize that this is not how they want to live their life. And eventually they're going to come back. So to me, it's worth, it's worth waiting for, it's worth fighting for, but I'm not going to waste my life fighting for something if that something is not ready to be what they need to be. Right. And I'm sure your kids are hurt because he's not present. They are. And we have a really hard time showing it. Yeah. It's, it's hard. It's hard on the kids. It's hard on you. It's hard on the stepdaughter, even the bio mom. It is. And her and I, like I said, we've gotten really close. And I talk to her every day. I see her every day. We'll shoot. Sometimes we'll talk till two o'clock in the morning. And with anything that's going on with me, I, she's the first person I go to. And with her ex-husband, she messages me. She's like, oh my God, I'm so mad. I have to tell you, I can't wait to call you. And it's yeah. none of this, none of this outside stuff exists in our friendship right now. And it's, and it's, if I could have it my way, honestly, with the way I feel for my for her mom, if I could have a house big enough to fit both of our families in there to where we could all be together, then I think that would be good because I think having all of our kids grow up together, like her and I, having both of our families be one big family, I would love to have that. It's funny that you said that because earlier when you were talking, I'm like, man, I can see you and the bio mom getting a place together, and <laughs> you know, just the kids all living together and everything and you helping like, like the dad, like you said, like being the dad. Yeah. There's a house. Um, uh, my, she went to a wedding with me a couple weeks ago and there's a house down the road that's for rent. I'm like, girl, you should call and look into this house because right now they're cramped in a little two bedroom apartment. It's not sufficient for five people. Mm -hmm. And I tell her like, you need to call and rent this house. Like I've even gone around the town that I live in looking for rentals too. So she can be closer. And cause that way, if she's closer, then my stepdaughter is closer. And that's really what I'm looking out for is to be as much in her life as I can to keep her happy. And it helps me too. It's not just for her. Is for me as well. And my boys have even said, mom, if she goes back to live with her mom, we still want to see her. We still want to be a part of her life. And so that's what I'm trying to do is just keep everybody together as one. I'm glad that you said that because I was going to ask you, uh, you had mentioned that your bio kids are like, well, you pay her more attention, you know, whatever. I was going to ask you what their relationship is with her because even though um, they may feel that you favor her, 
but they still love her and they still want to be a part of her life. So that's good. That's really good. They do. And they're, you know, they're, they're typical kids. They fight and argue. She gets along with one, fights with the other, gets along with them. And they, you know, they torture her and she just typical kids. But mm-hmm. when it comes down to it, my 15 year old, he says, I will protect her to the end of the earth and I will beat up any guy that she brings home. That's my baby sister. And just because we don't get along today, I still love her. Right. Right. That's good. Now, how far away does she live? Like 15 minutes. Oh, okay. So it's not too bad. Yeah. And she's, I work, um, I have to drive past them to go to work. So on my way home from work, I will stop by and we, we go to like worlds of fun together. We go to oceans of fun together and we do things. So yeah, they're, they're fairly close. That's good. That's really good. It's very convenient. And I like it because like I said, she's on my way. So on my way home from work, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to combine. Then I end up hanging out for two hours. Right. Right. Well, stepmom, who's the bomb. I'm really glad that you shared your story with us. It is a very unique um, story compared to most that we hear. And it's good for us to have people on our podcast that aren't in the nacho role because we'll, we'll tell everybody it's not for everyone. And again, your situation is one that if you decided to nacho, you wouldn't be able to live with yourself because of your um, bond with this child. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm, I'm glad that I got to be a part of this. And I want other people to know that it can happen. Even if your kids don't like you or if you don't get along with them, eventually you guys are going to have a bond because you guys are going to be stuck together and you can't let it run you down and you can't let it get you down because no matter what happens, it's not that kid's fault. Right. And you didn't have to deal with the stepdaughter resenting you or being angry at you for parenting her because you were in her life while she was so young, right? Yeah. And it's, it makes me feel good because she will call her mom my name and then she'll turn around and call me mom, which her calling me mom kind of upsets her mom. And I, and I tell her, I'm like, I am your mom. Like I have been, even though I've only been with you for a couple of years, I took over that position. You can call me this name. You can call me that name, whatever you want to call me. Don't let anybody change your mind because of their feelings, because in the end, it's all about you. And it's all about how you feel and what you're comfortable with. Right. But you can understand why it would upset her mom that she calls you mom. I do. And I, because my, my boys, when I was with this other guy for six years, they wanted to call him dad. And he says, well, I'm going to let your dad be a chance to be a dad. And this, the guy that I was with, he had a, he had a teenage daughter. And when my boys called her dad, dad, she's like, that's my dad. That's not your dad. Mm -hmm. And you know, they're just kids. They're going to do what they want to do. And she calls me by my name. My stepdaughter calls me by my name. I'm okay with that because I'm, I call my stepdad by his name and he's been in my life for, you know, over half my life. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, I, if that's what she wants to do, then her mom should understand that's what she wants to do. That's what makes her happy. Don't ruin it for her. You brought up something else that I want to address before we get off here um, real fast. Your parents separated when you were two or uh-huh. divorced when you were two. So you had a stepdad in your life. Did you have a stepmom also? I currently have a stepmom and she's not, I don't like her. I don't get along with her at all. And how long has she been in your life? About 20 years. Oh, yeah. Let me ask you. I must ask. Yeah. Did she try to parent you? No. 
No. No. You still don't um, like her. No, I went to, um, when I was a teenager, my dad lived in Utah. So I went to live with my dad when I was like 15. And I don't know, she, I resented her to begin with because um, before he met her, he was with another woman who was my mom, was my stepmom. She took care of me. She did everything she was supposed to do. I loved her. And when my dad left her for this other woman, there's instant resentment there because of the situation. But she just... She was just not a very nice woman. She was, you know, she just wasn't very nice. And um, she would treat me really bad. And I would be with my friends and she's like, well, you need to go get your daughter. She needs to be here. And it's like, why do you want me here? You don't even like me. So she was the epitome of what we hear about the evil stepmoms. Yes, she's that. And then some. So she didn't just disengage and not have a lot to do with you. She was engaged in a negative way. Yeah. It's almost like I'm, I can be mean. Therefore I'm going to be mean. I don't like you. And I'm, and I'm going to make sure, you know, I don't like you. And in 2016, my dad had a triple bypass heart surgery and Mm -hmm. me and my husband went down there to help him. And his wife wasn't even there. And my husband took me to their house and I told her, I was like, this is what's going on. I, you know, I'm older now, this is 15 years ago. You need to get over this. We need to figure something out for my dad. And she turned around and said all these bad things saying that I was doing this stuff, threatening her. And I'm like, all I wanted to do was make amends because I'm too old for this. You're too old for this. You just need to get over what happened when I was a teenager and just be happy. But she just, she, she's doomed to be miserable. Does she have kids? She does. And for a long time, none of them talked to her. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, one of them lives with them now, but she's a very hard person to get along with this. And nobody liked her. She's just a negative, nasty, evil woman. And I hate to say that because I try and find good in everybody. And Mm -hmm. I try and be good. And I try and do good for people. But she just, she brings out just the worst in everybody. There are people like that. I've met several people that um, throughout my years of work and stuff, they're like, oh, you won't get along with so-and-so. And, And, you know, I I pretty much get along with everybody for the most part. And not that I like everybody, but I can be tolerable and people are tolerable of me kind of thing. But there are just some people that it's like grease and fire. You just can't mix. Yeah. And I feel like this woman is destined to be miserable and it, what blows me away is my dad was going, they were in the process of a divorce. They sold their house, sold everything they had. She had an apartment. He had an apartment. He came up last year during my, my treatments and, you know, he was doing really good. And now they went and bought another house. They're back together and he's still miserable. And it's like, why are you doing this to yourself? You had everything and now you just threw it all away. He might feel bad for leaving that first woman and ending up with her in the first place. He does. And he, I know he does because he talks about her sometimes and, you know, she's doing really good. She's got a kid now. And I know he feels really stupid because here he is, she's really happy and he's just as miserable and he hates everything. And it's like, but he's a really good person and he's a really good man. And there need to be more men out there like him. And he's just, he's been a complete pushover. And it's like, you need to worry about yourself and stop worrying about her because you're not going to be around much longer and you want to spend the rest of your life being happy or do you want to be miserable and she's pushed away all of his children he's got this new grandbaby and he's just not involved because of this woman yeah that's so sad 
it it bothers me when I see people that are so negative all the time. My mom was one of those people. And, um, you know, it's like, find something to be thankful for. I don't care if you have to go look up YouTube videos of kids dying from cancer or kids that are born with disabilities. There is so much to be thankful for. But people are so wrapped up in, oh, I'm just miserable, that they 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 can't even see past that they have things to be thankful for. Right. You should be happy that you wake up every day or that you're not in a coma or that you are healthy and right. that you can just wake up and thank God that I'm here. And going through, like I, I took life for granted and going through cancer and almost dying after cancer treatment has completely changed me. And I've made mistakes, but I am thankful that I'm here. And my stepdaughter, she's like, she wants me to go to church. And she's like, well, God saved you. And I'm like, me and God, we're right with one another. He took care of me last year. So he knows where I stand with him. I don't need to show that I'm, I'm thankful because I just, I wake up every day and I'm happy. Mm-hmm. God knows your heart. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's good that she's wanting you to go to church with her. So she Maybe wants, one day you can go. Yeah, I, she wants she wants me to. She asked me if she'd come over on Wednesday so she'd go to church with me. And I'm like, yeah, well, we'll have to go. We'll start going on Sunday before I go into work instead of Wednesday because you've got to go to school. So I think I think that if I went to church with her a couple of times, she would like be awesome. Yeah, she'd be ecstatic. Now look at everything you're doing for this little girl and how much she means to you. You better go to church with that little girl. I'm going to. I just... I went to church growing up and it was pushed on me. I went to like, did everything to do with it. And now I'm just like, I don't have to. So I don't, but I need to. And it's, it's with everything that's been going on, you kind of need the reassurance. So I will. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's a good place for her to meet friends and um, learn positive things, you know, not focus on the negative. Yep. You're right. Okay. Stepmom, who's the bomb. I guess we need to wrap up so you can get back to your day And I want to thank you again so much for sharing your story with us so others can see that not everybody needs to nacho, which is what we say, and that you are stepping up in a parental role for your stepdaughter when she doesn't have one otherwise. I hope that having this conversation today will help somebody somewhere understand that it it doesn't always have to be that way. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And how we find a way to get there... It doesn't matter if I go the Google Maps way and you go the Waze way. When we get there, we get there. Yep. It's it's all about what happens in the end. That's right. Well, thank you again, and you have a great day. Thank you, too. Bye-bye. So, David, let's talk about cheating. <laughs> okay. You know. Did you ever cheat on me? No. <laughs> Good okay. Lord. Just making sure that's not the conversation we're about to have. No. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I should ask. Have you ever cheated on me? Not that I'm aware of. Y'all. <laughs> see what I put up with. I don't know. Or maybe I should say, define cheating. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I don't know personally how people overcome cheating because I've never been one to be able to overcome those things. David, on the other hand... um, continued a relationship with his ex after she cheated. So I know he did it for the kids, not necessarily because he didn't want to lose her. Well, I might be putting words in your mouth, David, but... <laughs> no, you're good. Keep going. Um, 
I mean, I can understand reasons like that. Like, you know, you don't want to destroy your family or um, he knew that by leaving or splitting up with her that he would see his kids less. So I can kind of understand that part. But the people that don't have kids together, it's hard for me to understand. And I'm not saying that you're stupid. I'm not saying that anything negative about you. I'm just saying that I personally, that's like my done. Mm-hmm. Once that I have proof that you're cheating, that's all I need. Yep. Well, for, for me, when it happened, you know, yes, I did stay because of the kids. Um, but it, the relationship was, it changed the dynamic of the relationship to, a, to the extent that um, there wasn't a lot there anymore at that point. And then when when it happened again, it was just like, no, nah, you know, I can't even continue this. This is, you know. Yeah. No. But what gets me is stepmom, who's the bomb, she took over the parenting role for the stepkid and almost like had to force the significant other to have a relationship with his daughter. Mm-hmm. And now she's the one that, does everything for the daughter. So it's like she's the dad, kind of, because she's the one that deals with the bio mom. She's the one that takes care of the stepkid, and she honestly loves this kid like her own. Mm-hmm. Her kids have had some issues with that, and she's tried to explain to them why. And, of course, she does have trust issues with her significant other because of his infidelity. Yeah. And I think that's funny, too, is, and I'm just going to use men as an example. <laughs> okay, so a man do. cheats, and... The woman tries to get over it, stays with them, and then a, six months later, whatever, the man's texting in the middle of the night, and the woman's like, well, who are you texting? And it's like, you don't trust me. Well, heck no, I don't trust you. <laughs> and then they get mad at her saying that, you know, she's overly whatever. No, dude, you caused this. You need to own up to it. You know, if you want your relationship to work, you better be willing to every single day tell that woman what you did from the time you woke up to the time you went to bed. And is it her fault? No, it's yours. And then the next person she ends up with will have to do the same thing. No, no. <laughs> now, if she f- finds the next person texting in the middle of the night, she might be like, hmm. Of course she will be. But it's like men think that, okay, well, you stayed with me. It's in the past. Get over it. And don't question me again. Um, It's not just a men thing. Oh, so that's how your ex was? Oh, yeah. It, yeah, it was very much... Just sweep it under the rug. You just keep on going. No. That, that's it. Don't want to talk about it. Don't want to get counseling. Don't want to get nothing. Don't want to do nothing. It's over and done with. Don't want to hear about it anymore. Well, you know, stepmom who's the bomb, she still has issues. But, I mean, that's understandable. And she's also a cancer survivor. Well, I know we've talked to several people that have survived cancer, and they have a different outlook on things. Yeah, that that's something that can certainly change how you look at anything in life. Mm-hmm. And she basically stayed married because she did not want to lose her stepkid. Wow. Yeah. I mean, this is a very unique situation. Mm-hmm. Very unique. And But one thing she said that I really, um, I guess it hit me, or I was like, wow, that's good. She said her love is stronger than her hate. Okay. I can see that. Yep. And it should be. Everybody should be. Yep. But a lot of us can't do that. Mm-mm. And, of course, I do find it funny that she had an evil stepmother herself. Yeah. And that may be why she's so determined to not be the evil stepmother. I mean, she she's taken over raising this kid pretty much and kind of pushed daddy out the way. Yeah. Not because daddy didn't want to be in the way. hmm So, very unique. 
And I'm sure that the stepdaughter being put in foster care, too, had an impact on her and made her realize, look, I've got to step up to help this kid because nobody else is. Yeah. Like a lot of situations, the kid's the one that ends up paying the price. Mm-hmm. So she's she don't stay in her lane. She created her own lane. <laughs> yeah. Her lane is being a bio parent to her stepkid. Yep. Stepping up where the dad wouldn't and yep. the bi- mom wouldn't. Yeah. Which is, you know, that's a, that's a hard choice to make. You know, we often, you know, we often tell people not to do that, but there are times where uh, that needs to happen. Yeah. Because I mean, the kid could have ended up in the foster system if this lady would not have stepped up and helped. Mm-hmm. And she obviously loves this kid and this kid loves her and it's what works for them. Yep. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, that's, that's what really matters is, does, is it working for you? That's right. You know, just like when you and I started doing the Nacho Kids method, uh, you know, we tried other things that what that did work for other people and it did work for us. So we found something that did work for us. And that's why we have guests on here that don't Nacho besides only guests that do because we want other people to hear the ways that other blended families are coping with their problems because yeah. you may not need to nacho. Kudos to you. It's like I said before, the nacho people, are we like the island of misfit toys, <laughs> and that's okay. Well, it's not that. It's that there is no one set path to figuring this stuff out and to get your, you know, your blend to, to be peaceful. It, there's multiple ways, and there's not really a place you go to where it's like, here's the 15 different ways you can make this happen. Usually people gravitate toward one way that they believe is right, and that's all you hear about. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. What I don't like is when those people, those same people also discount or dismiss everything else. Yeah, like how dare you not love your stepkids like your own. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's that's the thing I disagree with. I mean, we certainly don't go out there and, and start trying to uh, coach people in all these other methodologies, but that doesn't mean that we disagree with them. It just means that that's not our focus. Right. However, I will say, if you come into my Facebook group and you start preaching that Nacho one's bad, you're getting booted. <laughs> yeah, that's or, a given. Yeah. Or if you give, quote, quote, anti-Nacho advice, because, for example— if you say, take the dirty dishes and put them on the stepkid's bed, no, that is not nachoing. Nachoing is stepping back and letting the parent deal with the kid. So, yeah, I'll tell you it's not nachoing. I'll tell you what you should do or could do instead. But if you want to argue with me, go find another group because I can't help you. I saw a post yesterday, um, last night actually, a lady said that anything her stepkids leaves laying around, she throws it away. She don't care what it is. How much it costs, anything. And I'm like... She's gonna not going to make it. I mean, that, regardless of stepkid, bio kid, neighbor's kid, dude, that's just wrong. Mm-hmm. That is just wrong. Yeah. And if you're listening, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Get mad at me. Send me hate mail. I don't care. You want that's his just, email? <laughs> that is wrong. I mean, I wouldn't do that to anybody. That is not affecting the change you want. That is That is going to blow up in your face. Like you have no idea. Yeah. Wait till you leave your wedding ring sitting around. And when it does, don't come to me. I'm just going to point at you and go, stupid. <laughs> that was stupid of what you did. 
And now you got a stupid response from it. (laughs) (laughs) So your consequences found you out. Mm -hmm. I think it's funny, though, a lot of times in the group, because we really do try to teach people how to nacho. And, of course, we realized that the Facebook group was not the best way to do that. That's why we created the academy. But I love it when people start arguing with me about how to do it. And I'm like, wait a minute. How do you know how to do it? You don't. Yeah. Well, we need to do our own episode on that because we've we talked about this before. Uh, most people think that when we say nachoing or nachoing's method, we're only talking about the disengagement theory or disengagement aspect. And that is a part of it, but that is far from all of it. And so when we talk about the Nacho Kids method, it's because there's a method uh, around what we're trying to get people to do. And part of that does involve uh, disengagement, but it it is far more than just that. And so people don't understand that. They think that, oh, all it is is disengaging. No, it is a lot more than that. And there is a method to it. There's a process to it. And, um, and most, and if you're not in the Academy, you just don't know it. There's no way you know about it unless you've been in the Academy, because that's the only place where all that information exists. I mean, I try to say it in the Facebook group, but. Yeah. But it's just not possible to do. No. I mean, that's why we have what? 20 hours and growing worth of courses now. Mm-hmm. Well, my thing is, if you want to argue with me about how to do, how to nacho properly, and I'm trying to help you and teach you something. I can imagine how your poor significant other feels. <laughs> yeah, because you won't listen. Yeah, it's like me arguing with a teacher when she's trying to tell me how to do algebra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I don't know how to do it, but I'm gonna argue with you because I don't know how to do it. That's right. <laughs> and we've said it before. If we would have been told about not showing before we started having our issues and stuff, we'd have probably dismissed it too. I'm like that's stupid. Or that's crazy. That makes no sense. That's not what we've heard. Because it goes against the whole, quote, quote, motherly role of a stepmom. But I'm telling you, it's the best thing since sliced bread. Mm-hmm. For me, anyway. Yep. We love lots of sliced bread. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's it. That's, I'm, I'm done. Are you done? All right. Well, great. So that's our show for today, folks. Thanks for listening. And we will catch you again next week. Enjoy some nachos. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.